Um, don't know if you've ever been there. Uh, there are a lot of things said about money, and it certainly does talk, and I, I can't help myself. I, I went to high school in the 70s, and I have to quote Neil Diamond. Every time I hear this title, money talks, it don't sing or dance, and it can't walk, but it does talk. <laughs> it really does. I spared you singing and dancing to that tune, I know. Really glad you're here today. We are going to dig in and try to figure out how God wants us to handle our finances, the cliches that we just heard. Uh, easy to remember, but really provide very, very little help uh, that we need to get traction with our finances. Uh, most of us don't need cliches. We need the right perspective and some tools uh, to deal with our financial stress. And that's what we're going to try to do in this series. One of our goals in the Money Talk series is to lower the stress level in your life uh, as it relates to your finances. We, we want to help you be able to step back and look at your finances, your money, your possessions uh, that can cause so much pressure and stress and see how God wants to help you in the middle of the pressure cooker. He has a tremendous amount of perspective for us on these things. Uh, and we're going to dig in and find out what the Bible says about those things. So over the next four weeks, we're going to look at key perspectives on money. That's what we're going to do today. Uh, how to be wise with the resources you have. There's a lot of help in Scripture for that. God's word on generosity. He actually built us with a generosity gene that reflects who he is. And we're going to look at that. And we're going to also look at the importance of contentment. And we hope this, this series be a real help to you uh, and provide some helpful tools uh, to figure out how to best use your, your resources that God's provided. We all want to gain. We want to gain some understanding from the Scriptures. We've all collected ideas about money. All, all of us, we've collected these ideas. We pick them up through years of experience. We hear them around the water cooler at work. We pick them up in the media. There, there's some messages that we receive. Uh, we gather them from friends and family. and uh, we, we have these ideas, and money starts talking to us. It, it does. It speaks very loud and clear. And Money says things like, you can never have enough of me. <laughs> you can never have enough of me. Or... Another old song, sign sealed, delivered, I'm yours. Do with me what makes you happy. Take, I'm yours, you earned me, do whatever makes you happy with me. Um, another thing money can say is, only share me with other people after you make sure that you have enough for your own self and your own needs and maybe some of your wants. Many of these ideas about money are ingrained in us, they're just sort of there we all hear money talking loud and clear, and these ideas can create some fear in us. The, the normal ideas you, you hear can really ramp some things up on the inside, like if you don't make enough, you're not good enough. Maybe you thought that. That's an idea that's out there. You, know, you need to make enough so you can feel good about yourself, so you can measure up with the people around you, the people at work, people in your family. You go to Thanksgiving and the turkey's there, but everybody's sort of measuring, you know, trying to see where they, they fit on the scale of things, who drives up in what car, it tends to matter. So if you don't make enough, you're not good enough. That's an idea. If you don't buy, here's another one, K, 
Okay, this one gets me sometimes. It has gotten me in the past. I'm trying to avoid it. If you don't buy this now, you'll never get another chance. The sale ends today. You ever heard that one? I, I have. <laughs> oh, I want, and it just feeds into what I want. I want this thing. And so I got to get it now. Another thing money can say is, how can you change your spending habits now? You're in pretty deep. That's going to be a big hole you got to climb out of. How are you going to change? So money talks, and we listen, and we decide either to go with what money's saying or go a different direction. It's interesting. Not only is money talking to us, but money is talking about us. That's actually something Jesus taught. He taught that we can learn a lot about ourselves if we start listening to what money is saying about us. We tend to draw an imaginary line between spiritual stuff and monetary stuff or uh, financial stuff. We tend to draw this imaginary line between the spiritual and the material. Uh, that makes us think that there's no connection between God and what's going on in the material world or the resources of heaven and the things we deal with on earth. But God doesn't see it that way. That, that's an imaginary line. There, there is a real connection between the way we handle our money and our relationship with God. It's a direct reflection of our understanding of Him and how far we've grown in relating to him. The Bible shows us some things that money is telling us. It's telling us what's most important to us. As we'll see in a moment in Jesus' teaching in this area, God makes no separation between the spiritual and the financial arenas of our life. He connects the dots directly. Direct connect. The way we handle our money reveals what's most important to us in our heart of hearts, in our deepest part of ourselves. So that's one thing money is telling us. It's also telling us how we view God and his involvement in our life. If we believe that he's paying attention to the details of our lives, he gets involved and he blesses or not based on how we choose the decisions we make, then we live one way. If we believe that God made us and then sort of checked out and left us to handle life on our own, then we have a very different approach. So the way we handle our money reveals our view of God and his involvement in our life. And then money is also telling us how we view our role in handling it. What, what is our role? Are we collectors of money? Are we spenders? Are we conduits? Are we investors? It's, it's telling us the way we manage our resources tells us an awful lot about the way we see ourselves. Jesus has some very clear teaching on where we should land along these spectrums that I just mentioned. Um, he said, in fact, that there's a direct link between our heart and the way we use our money, the way we handle our money, the way we manage it. Look at Matthew 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now there's a really good reason for this, but what Jesus is saying here is looking at your bank statement over the last year 
is like taking a sonogram of your heart. You, you can see through yourself to see it. When my dad was 90, he had a sonogram. An amazing thing. I looked at that sonogram, and you could see the, the valves opening and closing. They let me watch. And you could see the valves opening and closing. One thing I thought is that that heart has been beating for 90 years. That's amazing. That's, that's an amazing design. Okay, God, God came up with an amazing design there. And so I'm in awe, but I'm watching all the valves. They can pinpoint what exactly is going on with that heart and what was wrong with it. That's what our finances reveal, our bank statement, the way we use our money. It, it's like a sonogram of our heart, and it's showing us what we cherish the most, what is the most valuable thing to us, because it takes big chunks of time to earn our money, doesn't it? I mean, it takes 40, 60, maybe more hours a week to earn our income. And so our money, our income represents our life because our life equals time. I mean, it's the same thing. Whatever we spend our time earning or doing, whatever we have, it represents life itself. So whatever we put our money into, whatever we give to or spend money on or invest in, we're trading a big chunk of our life for whatever that is. That's what Jesus is saying. Our money is like a sonogram of our heart, and it's screaming in our ears and to everybody around us, this is what really matters. This is what's most important. In the verses following the ones I just read, it, they used to confuse me because Jesus talks about money, and then he put these verses in, and then he talks about money again. And I, I, as, I, as I thought about it, did some reading on it, I figured out what he was saying. Look at these verses. It says, so he goes from the treasure talk to verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So I read that after reading the money thing, and I thought, you know, which happens with me. You know, I'm pretty literal. I'm going, whoa, okay, we, we shifted to biology or something, you know. But, but what Jesus is saying is this. The eye is the lens for your body. If it's clear and working well, then you see clearly to function fully and you get the information you need from the world around you to navigate life. But remember, he's talking about money. So what he's saying here is our view or perspective of money is going to shape how we use it. That, that's what he's saying. If it's a healthy perspective, we use it for the best. If it's an unhealthy or wrong or misinformed perspective, we keep creating trouble for ourselves in the way that we handle it. So here, here's the, really what he's saying in a nutshell. Money problems develop from bad financial decisions that grow out of a distorted perspective. So this perspective thing on money is crucial for handling in a way that, that really brings God's blessing. In this series, what we're going to do is we're going to try to take uh, the time to gain a clear perspective that helps us make solid financial decisions. We're going to look at what God says should be most important to us, an accurate view of God's involvement in our financial situation, 
And what God's Word says is our proper role in handling our money. It, it all starts with the right perspective. We must look at our money through the lens that God provides. Now, we don't have to, but that's what we have the ability to do in the Scripture. And if we're going to make great financial decisions, uh, then we're going to have to see it through God's eyes. And He wants to really help with this. Now, you wouldn't immediately connect your budget to prayer and getting into the Bible, would you? I mean, I wouldn't, unless, like many times, I've tried, you know, a Hail Mary in footballs when they last seconds of the game and they try to win it by throwing a long pass. That's a Hail Mary. You know, it's kind of like, oh, oh God, please help. You know, let this land in the right guy's hands so we can score a touchdown. Now, I've connected my personal finances to that kind of prayer. Oh, God, please help. I need, I need your help. I've made some stupid decisions here. I really need you to come through. That way we connect it. But it's interesting. God wants to give help and direction to use our money wisely as we relate to him daily through time in the Word and the Scriptures and the Bible and prayer. And just like every other area of our life, he really wants to give us the strength we need, the perspective we need, and the correction that we need to stay on track. So for me, uh, that's, that's a very important thing. Get up in the morning and, and talk about what's going on. And particularly as I've tried to rein myself in financially, that's, that's one of the ways he's really helped me. God, please help me control myself and not do something stupid and buy that thing that's on sale today that I really want. Or I get into Scripture and he corrects a thought and he keeps, he keeps the most important things in the forefront of my mind so I'm not as wound up about whatever it is I want. He really gives a lot of help through a quiet time for every arena of life he wants to guide. So I want to encourage you uh, to dig into that. We have an opportunity, too, if you'd like to sign up uh, to talk to somebody about quiet time, how to do that and handle it, you, you can let us know. It's on the back of that connection card. But it's easy, very easy for us to collect our own views about money and then operate out of those views, out of that perspective. So we really need to know God's perspective. And here's the starting point. The Bible's perspective on money starts here. God is the owner who gives. He's the owner. I just listened to a biography in, uh, about Warren Buffett. And I, I was curious. This guy has a lot of money. And I wanted to see how he thinks about money, how he handles it. And how, you know, just I wanted to try to learn about economics from him. Now, I, there are a lot of things, probably priority-wise, value-wise, that I wouldn't want to adopt. But it was, it was an interesting book to see where he comes from, how he ended up. He's currently number two. He's been number one. He's number two right now on the Forbes list of the wealthiest men in America. Uh, Bill Gates is number one. They're, they're really good friends, I guess. I learned this in the biography. <laughs> they're good friends. They, they, uh, they get together and play bridge on occasion. But I thought about this in relation to the message today. You know, in heaven, there's not going to be a Forbes list. No Forbes list in heaven. Because there's only one owner. And it's God himself. He, he owns it all. Really, there's only one name on the list. God. 
our Father. He, he's the top of the Forbes list. And in reality, it's not only that way in heaven, but it's that way on earth. Because I, as I listened to Buffett's biography, he spent a lot of time planning on how he's going to leave and who he's going to leave his money to. Key word, leave. You don't hang on to it forever. We all leave it behind. It ultimately belongs to the Father. And this is the, the perspective you see in the Bible from the beginning to the end of the Bible. Scripture repeatedly declares that God is the owner of all things. Everything we have is from Him. He's the owner who gives. Look at Deuteronomy 10.14. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth and all that is in it. The idea here is that God created it. He made it. He made heaven, the heaven of heavens. He made earth, and so he owns it. He's the Lord of all heaven and everything on it. He's the one who created the universe, and so it belongs to him. The rights and privilege of, of ownership go to God. They're his. Hundreds of years after Deuteronomy was written, uh, when the nation of Israel was formed, uh, king David was a king. He was king in Israel, second king. Um, he, he started feeling like he wanted to build a palace for God. He had a tremendous palace, an amazing place, and he wanted to build a house for God. And so he asked God if he could do that. God told him, no, it's not going to be you. It's, it's going to be your son. But what he did is he, he sort of set the stage for the building of the temple, and he asked the Israelites to bring the money to, to him and all the the stuff they would need, the wood and, and all the gold and silver and the things they would need to build the temple. And they all brought their offerings, their tithes and offerings, to uh, the place where they were going to build the temple. And he, he prayed a prayer. And you see this same perspective in the prayer. First Chronicles 29. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and on the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you. He knew where they came from. He doesn't draw a line between heaven and earth. He made this world. It all belongs to him. Uh, riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand... Is, it is to make great and to give strength to all. So riches and honor flow from God. He's the source of all our blessing that we experience. In the later part of the Bible, we're seeing this all through the scriptures. In the later part of the Bible, uh, Paul was writing to early Christians, giving some instruction. You see the same perspective, 1 Timothy 6. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to put their hopes, set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So you see, God in the Bible is the owner who gives. And in this passage, you get a glimpse of the heart of God. He not only gives it to us, but he gives it to us so we can enjoy it. Where is your enjoyment meter related to your finances right now? Where is it land? What's going on? with that. God wants us to enjoy our money and possessions, but often there's a ton of stress tied to these things. If we're not enjoying them, then we aren't seeing them clearly. 
We aren't handling them in a way that really pleases God. And, and Scripture gives a lot of help in understanding who God is and, and how to view our money. Over and over, we see God's ownership there. Yet, we, we have all this money passing through our hands. You know, our name's on our bank account, savings account, whatever it is. We, you know, our name's on our, the title of our cars, all our stuff. You get your paycheck, your, your name's written on it. It's easy to get confused on uh, who owns it and who doesn't. But in Scripture, God is the rightful owner. It's very clear on our role as well. We are stewards and conduits. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Now, stewards, interesting word, really good word when it comes to our lives because we have stewardships in many areas of our life. Financial stewardship is one of them. But a steward in in this day, was someone who was, in the charge of, who was in charge of the affairs of a household. So they managed the, detail of the, the details for the owner of the house. Uh, they were entrusted with certain responsibilities to carry out on behalf of the owner. So that's what a steward is. A steward is entrusted with something that belongs to someone else. That's the perspective of Scripture when it comes to our money. That's God's perspective on our money, and it's, it's reality, because we're conduits whether we want to be or not. It flows through our hands. We leave it behind, just like Warren Buffett. He's got billions. He's been thinking about, how do I, how do I leave it behind? It is going to go through our hands. And so the perspective of Scripture is, we want to manage it wisely so that we can enjoy the life God's given us so that we can make a difference with our life, so that we can make some eternal impact with the way we handle our money. God owns it all, from the heavens to the earth to the animals to all of us. He owns it all. And our role is management. We're we're in management. We're not in ownership. We're managing the details of our lives. If you follow Christ, you have a double reason to understand this about uh, your money. Because if you've accepted Jesus' payment for your sins, uh, in a real way, God made you, so he owned you, and he bought you back. He owns you twice. He's, he's, there's, he's on the title twice to your life. Uh, 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20 says, uh, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. The Bible's perspective is that we really don't own anything. And this is liberating. I'm going to tell you why in a few moments. But this is a liberating thought. It's not my life. It's not my body to do with it what I want. When I committed my life to Jesus as Lord, I surrendered the title to him. I gave my life to him. He gives us our life, and he lets us choose whether or not we decide to follow him whether or not we decide to surrender to his will and his way. But if you've decided to follow Christ, you've decided, I belong to God, and in Christ, you belong to God. He, he has the right and privilege, what this passage is saying is, he has the right and privilege as owner to, to tell us what to do with our lives, to lead us, to guide us, to help us. He has the rightful position to be able to direct our thoughts, to direct our sexual behavior, which is the context of this passage or our money and our possessions. We owe him our full obedience. 
This perspective radically changes the way you can live your life. Radically. It, it, it leads us to ask different questions about our money. So it, asks us to, it leads us to ask questions like, what kind of manager have I been? What kind of manager am I being right now with my money? Have I been faithful and trustworthy like he wants? Or have I been passive or selfish or stingy? Knowing this has relieved a tremendous amount of stress in my life. I remember when I was starting a business to get through grad school. Cindy was working and uh, to make up the difference of what we needed. Uh, she, she decided to work graciously to help me get through. And so I, I started a, a business, a janitorial business. And to be honest, I really disliked trying to find people to work for. Like, I, I had to start from scratch, so I had to go to businesses and say, hi, I'm Randy. Randy's Clean Right Janitorial. Doesn't it have a ring to it? I don't think I've ever said that here. Randy's Clean Right Janitorial. So, yeah, hi, I'm Randy. I'm from Randy's Clean Right. I own this thing. It's, it's really nothing right now, but if you give me the work, it'll be something. I, honestly, I really dislike that whole process, putting myself out there to try to find the business, but something kept coming back to my mind over and over and over again. God is in control. He's the owner. Actually, these people, their names on the names of the businesses, but God's above them. And if he wants me to get the work, he'll give it to me. And he was extremely faithful. My measly sales pitch, trust me, I am not a salesman. I am not. But I just, I went ahead and put myself out there. God, I'm trusting you. I know this ain't the greatest, but I'm going to trust you. And I kept coming back to that, and God came through over and over and over again. Things out of our control. This is how it is. Money. We don't know how the economy is going to flow. A lot of us, maybe, maybe some of us are looking for work. We're trying to handle just the cap that's on our income. Whatever it is, God is the owner. And if you recognize that, if you acknowledge that, there is a lot of freedom now to focus on how can I be faithful with what God's given me and trust him to provide. He will provide. He's promised that in Scripture. If you make him the most important thing in your life and you live for him, you're faithful with your money, you're faithful to do with your life, your time, your resources, what God wants you to do. If you're faithful, he will bless, he will provide, he will meet your deepest needs. The stress goes out. When we come to grasp with the fact that we are stewards, not owners of our money, all of a sudden it changes our perspective. 100% of our money owns, belongs to God. Uh, not 10, not 50, but all of it. What a, what a radical shift in perspective that frees us up from being so tied to our money and possessions to how can I use these to really make a difference in the lives of the people around me? How can I use it to really honor God and make a difference in, in the world that I live in? Making changes in every arena of life, it takes time. 
it's difficult. Finances may, may be more difficult. Now, the very first time you sit down and do a budget, I think they estimate it takes about three years to figure out how to do a workable budget if you stay after working on it. It, it takes time to figure this out. Um, we want to help you wherever you're at to understand what Scripture says about money and then how to really get some traction in, in your finances. So over the next few weeks and then over the next few months, actually, there will be some ways that you can take some next steps. There are some helpful books that really help with this, um, with the biblical perspective of money. The first one is The Treasure Principle. And uh, that is a, a little short book. If you get it on Audible, you can listen to it in about two and a half hours. But it gives the Bible's perspective on your treasure, sort of based on what Jesus was saying. Really, very, very helpful book. Uh, it's a very small book. You could read it very quickly, or you can listen to it in the car on the way to work. Whatever, very, very helpful for that. Another book that is really based on biblical principles, but it's not overtly uh, biblical is Total, Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Really very, very helpful book. We also have some opportunities coming up, just want to let you know about. In January, we're going to be offering a finance seminar on how to get traction with your money uh, and what Scripture says about it, but really some very practical help for getting traction. And then in February, when we crank up our groups for next year, we're going to do uh, some of the groups will be based on Financial Peace by Dave Ramsey. So we, we want to really help with this area because it doesn't, on the surface, seem like it connects to your walk with God, but it is a direct connect in terms of what God says about life and the way life works. So we really want to help because it's at the core of who you are. It's the core of what it means to walk with the Lord and, and, and really bring honor to Him. So I want to wrap up the message today uh, by talking about some next steps. The band, as the band comes up, I want to walk through these next steps. These are some practical ways that you can put what we've talked about this morning into practice. And uh, here, here they are. The first step, memorize Deuteronomy 10.14. Behold, to, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth, and all that is in it. It's a great reminder of who the owner is. He's the owner who gives. He blesses us with the life we have, with the things we enjoy. Um, another step would be to attend the rest of the Money Talk series. We'd love to have you here. We really want to be a help. Another step, plan to attend. This would also help us with our planning. If you'd like to attend the finance seminar in January, um, and that's a step you take. You're not really signing on the dotted line, but you're just letting us know that this is something you would plan to attend uh, when it's offered. And then also the same with the financial peace groups in February. If you would be interested in those, we'd we really like to know that would help. And then also under the sign-up part of the connection card, there's a place to sign up to talk to somebody about quiet time, either one-on-one -on -one or in a one-time small group. The quiet time, that time with God every day, is something he uses to shape us, to mold us, to change us, to give us the perspective we need and the correction we need at times to really please him. So those are some steps we can take. Would you pray with me before the band leads us in singing? Father, we thank you for your word that really does free us up. The truth, it 
busts open our perspective in a way that gives us freedom if we'll just learn to live for you and in line with your truth. Help us to do that, God. Give us the power to take the steps that you've laid on our heart today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.